0: We are in Jude verse number 5 tonight. That's where we left off last time. We'll spend most of our time in verses 5, 6, and possibly 7 tonight. But I want us to begin by reading the verse again. He said, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, uh, actually we're in verse number 4, end of verse number 4, he said, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for the condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord. Jesus Christ. And then he's going to start talking about the Israelites. But let's go back and let's think about where we were, where we ended last time. We were talking about the idea of denying the, the Master and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we noted that it's a, a stronger word than simply saying that, you know, I, I, I don't believe that he is. It's a word which means more to reject the per uh, the person or the uh, the thing or whatever it might be that is being discussed, in this case uh, the the master and the Lord. and so we looked at a number of passages or looked at some of the passages where the word is used, uh, one of which is found in uh, uh, Acts chapter seven at verse thirty five This Moses whom they rejected, that's the word that's translated deny here. So it's the idea of rejecting. Another uh, place where it's used is in uh, Titus chapter 2 at verse number 12, where the Bible talks about training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And so... These men who are teaching this false doctrine, who are the false teachers that are being discussed here, the, the idea is by what they're doing, it, it's not necessarily that they're, they're actually verbalizing that I don't believe in Jesus, but by what they're teaching and what they're doing is they're rejecting him in their life. Now let's look at two other ver- or words and let's talk about them uh, a little bit tonight. Who was it that they are denying? Who is it that they're rejecting? What, does, what two things, I guess is a good way of saying it, what two ways is Jesus described here in this passage? What two words use are used in order to, to tell us about Jesus and who he is? Master and Lord. Master and Lord. Now, if you were to define those words tonight, how would you define the term master and how would you define the term Lord? And the way that we define the term master and the way that we define the term Lord is that in accordance with the words that are used. The word that's translated master here is, is more than just a, a master of a slave. That who, a man who is a master of a slave has some authority, but the idea here is even more than that. The word means an absolute ruler. The word translated master means an absolute ruler. Now let's look at a couple of passages where the word is used. Look at the book of Acts chapter 4 at verse number 24. Acts chapter 4 at verse number 24. And I'm going to to ask somebody to read this from uh, first the... English Standard, if you have that, and then we're going to ask if you have the King James that you read that passage as well. Who has uh, Acts chapter four, verse twenty-four in the English Standard translation? Anybody? And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, "Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them?" All right. One word is used there. For the words that are translated, Sovereign Lord, and that's our word that's used in the book of uh, of Jude. The English Standard Translators translate it Sovereign Lord. Now, somebody have it in the King James Translation? Brother you got that one? Uh, Verse uh, 24, Acts 4 verse 24. Whoever has King James... Tommy's got it over here. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God and went and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that in them is. Okay. And the King James is simply translated as Lord. Now, there are more than one word that's translated Lord. Uh, you might notice that because as we look at it in this passage, we've got the word Master and the word Lord. We need really to understand what he's saying here. It's, it's not just a... It is a sovereign ruler. It is one with absolute control. Uh, and so that's who we're looking at when we're looking at God, at, at Jesus, isn't it? One who has absolute control. Another passage where it's used is Revelation chapter 6 at verse number 10. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord! is the way that it's translated in the English standard, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell in the earth. And so we're talking about what they're doing here is they're denying, they're rejecting the one who has absolute rule, an absolute ruler, one who should be the absolute ruler of their life. But hold on to that because Jude doesn't just say they're rejecting the one who has absolute rule. He says they reject, they deny the Master and Lord. Now, if you define the word Lord, how would you define the word Lord? Well, it comes from the more common word that's translated Lord in the New Testament, the word kurios, which means a supreme authority or a controller, one who has control. Uh, To make it really confusing, the words are sometimes used by the translators inconsistently uh, when it comes to our English language. Go to the book of Matthew chapter 6 at verse 24. Matthew chapter 6 at verse 24. You may even remember that one well enough to quote it. No man can serve to what? Two masters. No man can serve two masters, two curios, two lords, two supreme authorities. No man can serve two supreme authorities. Now, notice they translate that word there as master. And yet they translate the word here as lord. And they translate the word master here in other places as lord. No wonder we get confused. No wonder we don't catch the entirety of the meaning of what is being said. And so, we have the one who is the supreme authority, the controller who is to be the controller of our life. Go to the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 36, another passage that We quote quite often that all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, talking about Jesus, both, what? Mm -hmm. Lord, kurios, and Christ. He's made him both Lord, made him the supreme authority. Now, how did, or, or when do we know that he's been made the supreme authority? Go back to the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse eighteen, what did Jesus say before sending back up into heaven? All, depending again upon which translation you're reading from, power or all authority has been given to me. Where? In heaven. Well, where else is there? Is there any place other besides heaven and earth? Do what? Well, God's not going to be there. <laughs> he sends them there and leaves them. So He's made Him the supreme authority over what? Heaven. He's made Him the supreme authority over what? Earth. No wonder when Peter was preaching, he would talk about Jesus being the Lord, making Him the, making him the supreme authority uh, again, in Revelation chapter 19, at verse 16, the word is used. And, and I, am, I really like what is said, you know, and, uh, in regard to Jesus there. On his robe and on his hi- thigh, he has a name written. What's that name? King of kings and supreme authority of supreme authorities. There may be some down here on the earth who believe they have supreme authority, but they still have one over them. They have the supreme authority, the Lord of Lords. And so what we have then is these men who are teaching this false doctrine that Jude says, I was going to write about the common faith, but I had to stop and change gears and write in regard to this other thing. They are denying... Who? Our only Master and Lord. Now, who is the Master and Lord? According to this passage, Jesus Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Anointed One. They deny them. What do they deny? If you substitute the definition for the word, what do they deny? They deny the absolute ruler and the supreme authority. The one who is to be the absolute ruler, notice they say our, the one who is to be the absolute ruler and supreme authority of their life. They're denying him. How are they doing that? By teaching something other than what he taught. They're rejecting him, putting their thoughts, their desires, their doctrine in the place of his. One other word is used there. When he talks about the Master and the Lord, Jesus Christ, one other word you don't need to to miss. What is it? Our only. Our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. The word translated only, manos, means the soul, S-O-L-E. The single, the alone, the only master and Lord of our life. Okay? Do those that not follow the Pope place him in that position here on the earth? Absolutely. They have they have replaced Jesus Christ, the only, the soul, the one, in, with another. They have taken him and rejected Jesus and put another on his throne. And so that's that is exactly right. Well, I, I have never read any other material. Is it written in such a way that those are written down, or do they believe? Well, they 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 teach that he is uh, uh, when he when he's sitting on the throne he is uh, he is god's authority on earth he he can make uh, when he speaks ex it's not just when the pope speaks when he speaks ex cathedra sitting on the throne uh, that he can make the laws uh, he can speak for god basically is the idea the concept that is that is set out uh they have an enormous amount of material for them to read I've read a lot of it. It's got very little to do with scripture. Yeah. yeah. They write a lot for their people, so to speak, and that's it. Yeah, it's not true. Well, very little to so Yeah, you know, and they use is just you know, it's used to make what they want to Yeah, and the official the official doctrine of the church that church is that uh, the the average person, you and me, and everybody sitting out here, we can't understand the scripture. We've got to have we've got to have somebody to interpret that to us, and so that's where their priest and their bush, bishops and their their pope comes into into play. So they would discourage you from reading the scripture. They don't want you in that. They want you in their doctrine, which again has displaced Jesus as being the sole, the only, the alone authority. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would like to read. Yeah. To, yeah. To if you have any if you have any background in Scripture whatsoever, you you probably would be amazed at many of their writings and how secular and how far off from Scripture they truly, truly are. How far off they have removed their only master and Lord and replaced him with another. Uh Maybe this will help us, to, uh, maybe it will help some other when we're talking about this concept of him being the only Master and Lord. Uh, maybe maybe it will help, help us understand better some other passages. They, they sound simple on the outside. But look at Matthew 4 verse 10. This is Jesus when, when Satan is tempting him. You know that from Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus answers Satan in, in a certain way. Look at Matthew 4, verse 10. Somebody read that passage for us. Then said Jesus to him, Go, adversary, where it has been written, The Lord thy God thou shalt lie to and him only shalt thou serve. Him only. There's the same word that's used in uh, the book of Jude, that him alone, him the one and the only. There, there is no other Lord. There is no other master. There is no other one to serve. Except the God of heaven. And of course, Jesus, being the second person of the Godhead, is God. Okay? And so, Him only shalt thou serve. Here's another one. Look at Matthew 18, verse 15. 18, verse 15. It's not talking about God here, but it's using the same word. And so, again, as I mentioned before, maybe the understanding that we gain by looking at the passage, the use of the word "here," will help us in other passages. Somebody have Matthew eighteen fifteen. If your brother sins against you, go and tell his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Who else is supposed to know your brother has wronged you? You, you go and tell it between you and him. Alone. Who alone, alone. alone. only. Here's our word. Same one. As many people are supposed to know that our brother has wronged us as there is God's. As many people are to know that our brother has wronged us as there is masters and lords that we serve. And how many times do we follow that? And especially in our day and time. Because we've got social media of all kinds, and the very first thing we want to do when somebody does us wrong is what? Tell the whole world. That is a violation of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter eighteen, at verse number fifteen. Uh, it depends. It's both both have a responsibility. If you if you remember that you have aught against your brother, you go to him. If Yep, and if he remembers that he has it against you, he goes. Uh, We both have the, the responsibility depending upon which verse you're reading from when Jesus is discussing that particular topic. Look at Romans chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. Romans 11, verses 2 and 3. This is a quotation from the Old Testament. And maybe it'll help us to... To better grasp what the prophet Elijah felt so long ago, Romans eleven verses two and three. Somebody have that passage for us. God has not cast away his people who will be for you. Or do you not know that the scripture says Elijah, how he pleads, God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets. Pour down your offers, and I alone can live, and they seek my life. Who, uh, who did h- how many more did Elijah think was out there like him? I am the one as many God as many as there is gods uh, as many as masters and lords as we're supposed to be serving I am the last. One, the only one who is left. Now, thankfully, Elijah had just gotten caught up in his misery. And God told him, what? There's not just one, but there are 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. But again... We do that, we say these things, we we go to these passages because sometimes we don't grasp the depth of what we're being told in Scripture. There there, there, There is one, there is no more. There is the alone ones that we are to serve, the alone master, the only master and the only Lord that we have is Jesus Christ. The only one who's to know that a brother has sinned against us is us and that brother. Him alone. Elijah thought he was alone. There was nobody else. How lonely is that when you're being persecuted? Nobody to turn to. So we get uh, an insight into his feelings. But these men, you see what they were doing is rejecting Jesus As the only absolute ruler and supreme authority in their lives. The one and the only. They had replaced Jesus and put themselves and their teachings, their doctrine, on that throne. Now listen to this. I want you to consider something. What about... Those people, not just, not just those who would follow after a pope, but what about those people that we talk to every day who would make a statement like this? I know what the Bible says, but... I know what the Bible says, but... You know, we talk about baptism or partaking of the Lord's Supper or, or singing or you know as a, in uh, as opposed to mechanical instruments of music i know what the bible says but what are you doing with the butt you're taking jesus off the throne his authority supreme authority his his sovereignty is being expelled and replaced by who self what did we learn that Jesus said he would do to those who deny him on earth and remember when we were when we began looking at this idea this concept of denial we went back to Matthew chapter 10 verse 32 whoever therefore reject denies me before men him will I also deny, reject when we're standing before my Father. I'll reject you. It's more than just simply saying, Well, I don't believe in Jesus. I, I don't. When we reject what He says, we reject Him. When we change what He says, we reject Him. We have become a denier of Him. Certain people. Snuck in the side door, crept in the unnoticed, who long ago had been designated, God didn't pick them out by name. He just simply said, if you're going to be that kind of teacher, then you're going to suffer the consequences. They were designated for condemnation. They're described as ungodly people, we talked about that word, who pervert the grace of God and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Do you begin now to see why Jude felt the obligation, the pressure to write and to help correct the problem that these people were having, the things that they were confronting? Man, this is serious business that he discusses, that he talks about here. Now, talking about that condemnation which they would receive, what Jude is going to do next is give three biblical Old Testament examples of what God does to those who do not recognize Him as the only Master and Lord. Okay, What is the first one? Look at verse 5. Now, I want to remind you, considering what we just said, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, one of the things that we said when we started studying the book of Jude is most likely Jude has, was written to, uh, to Jewish Christians, though, those who had been converted from Judaism. He says, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed those who did not believe. Now I want you to think about that. What, what is it that, that Jude is alluding to here? What Old Testament narrative story is he talking about? Who was saved out of the land of Egypt? The Jews, the Israelites. Brought them out of the land of Egypt. And, and, and those who were the Christians that he's writing to, they knew that story well. It had been drilled into their heads, evidently, from the time that they were young children. In talking about ancient Israel, there's an an interesting statement that's made right here. Who does Jude say saved that people out of the land of Egypt? Jesus did. I didn't think he was born until a lot later than that. He's also God. God. There's a lot that's said there. Again, making some comparisons. Does anybody have the King James? Tommy, you got the King James there? Lord, the Lord saved the people out of Egypt. If you were to read from the American Standard, you'd find that the word Lord is used there, not the word Jesus. But there is a footnote in the American Standard translation which says, many ancient manuscripts say Jesus. Jesus. Were those manuscripts wrong when they said Jesus saved the children of Israel? Out of Egyptian bondage? What does Paul say about it? Go to the book of of, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Somebody read verses 4 and 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The drink of the spiritual drink, the rock. Who was the rock? Christ. Paul says, who was back there with them? Who led them out of Egypt? The second person of the Godhead. The one that we know as the Messiah, the Christ. And Jude is even more explicit than that. He said, it was my brother. Except he hadn't come in that form yet. Is the second person of the Godhead active before he comes and takes the form of a baby and grows up in Palestine? John chapter 1 says he was present with the making and working of the world And without him was not anything made. It was, he was not just there, he was the force behind it. And Hebrews uh, teaches us that same thing. And so we have Jesus who is active. He's not in, the, not in the form that we know him as the little baby who was born in Bethlehem and grew up. But he's active. He is a God who continues to, uh, to care and to know and to guide his people to make sure that things uh, were done in the right way. And so he says that, that Jesus, he, he saved that people out of the land of Egypt. Now what happened? What did these people become? What did they not do? They into the land. Well, what kept them out? Lack of faith. Lack of faith? What? Right. I just said they didn't trust it. Yeah, they, they didn't believe that they. Uh, when they went and spied out the land, what did the 10 of the 12 spies come back and say? Why, well, we can't do this. Them. Folks over there, they're huge. We can't beat them. Never mind, they just walked through not too awfully long before that. They had just walked through the middle of the Red Sea on dry ground and watched the entire army of Pharaoh decimated. And who did that? God did. Well, Jesus was the one who was there with them who stood between them and, the, and, and, and Pharaoh's army in the pillar of fire and so forth. He's the one who's there. And, and, and so he says, I want to remind you. This is powerful, folks. When they quit believing in Jesus, what happened to them? They were Destroyed. They were destroyed. What happens when we quit believing in Jesus? We've got a certain judgment awaiting us. That's why it's even more powerful when we see the word translated here not as Lord, but as Jesus. When we quit believing in Him and we start putting our own ways in place of his ways, we get into trouble. And folks, guess what? Just like they were destroyed, we have that awaiting us as well. Except our weight will end in eternal destruction in hell. When we stand before the God of heaven. But, but they, their lives continued on. They lived 40 more years. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. And their clothes didn't wear out. And they had to provide them something to eat all the time. But, but some of them didn't. It, they were dying all along the way. Okay. Uh, because uh, it was 40 years before they all died out and were, were left. Uh, they didn't just all have a mass death at, at the end of 40 years. So they were dying all along the way. And uh, God was helping them along with some of them, right? What about, uh, what about uh, uh, the ones who died uh, when God sent the serpents? And, and what about the ones that the earth swallowed up with, uh, uh, well, what's his name? Uh, Coridathan yeah. and Abiram. Uh, yeah, God helped them. He helped them out to herd, if you will with With all of those, and so god God destroyed many of them uh, because of their unbelief. And the rest of them died out because of their unbelief, and they were not able to enter into the into the promised land. All right? Second illustration that he uses. Well let me let me before I do that, let me read you. Uh, this is from uh, the gospel advocate commentary, Brother Guy Woods. He says, the implication is that if a half a million men were executed for violation of God's law through their disobedience, then these false teachers who were teaching in principle that for which these multitudes suffered death would not escape. He says, they're just like them. All right, second illustration that he gives is found in verse number 6. Pick me over there one layer, Verse number 6. <clears throat> and the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Jude says, Now I'm telling you about the children of Israel. But let me also remind you about the angels. <coughs> what did the angels not do? Two things they didn't do. What's the first? Number one, the angels did not stay within their position. own position of authority is the way that it's translated in the English Standard translation. How's it translated? Anybody have it right quick? King James Version? Okay, your new King James? First estate, which kept not their first estate, King James Version, American Standard says they kept not their own principality. What are you saying? What is it that they, didn't, that they didn't keep? Well, the word that's translated here, position of authority, is a single word which means first, corner, principality, Principle, rule. Who do we wrestle against? Principalities and powers. But he says about the angels, they didn't keep their first archae. They didn't keep their first. Brother Wood said, it's a term descriptive of an office or position. A place of power when God created the angels he gave them something and he limited them to that whatever that office whatever that principality whatever that position of authority was God gave it to them when he created them and what should we learn they, what did they do? They didn't stay within it. So that means what? They went outside the... They, they, what did they do? They took upon themselves more authority than they were given. Now wait a minute. If all authority was given to Christ in heaven and on earth in regard to our salvation... Who has any right, who has any authority to change anything that he said? See the point that Jude is making to these men? You don't have the authority. They went outside their authority, and what happened to them? Well, they're punished by God. We're going to talk about the punishment more. Well, and it, it, well next week, looks like. We'll talk about their punishment more next week. But when they went outside their English Standard, their position of authority, when they took more authority on themselves than they, that God had given them, they're punished. What happens when men, see his point, what happens when these guys who come in and start teaching things other than what we've taught that are leading you astray, when they've taken themselves and made themselves the authority, what's going to happen to them? You see, that's the illustration that Jude is giving. So, First he talks about the children of Israel not believing, and then he begins talking about the angels. We'll continue talking about them next week. Uh, there's a lot of other interesting things that we'll talk about in regard to them uh, uh, that said here in verse number 6 that we'll deal with next week. But uh, just remember that what Jude is doing is giving them three examples of people who are basically doing what these three examples, even though they might not equate them, they're basically doing what these have done in the past. Let me just ask you this. Why was the Old Testament written? For our learning. What do we learn? We learn how God, one thing, dealt With those who broke his law. All right, we got to quit.